Chapter Twenty Five of the Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty Five, The Scorpion or the Grasshopper, Which. The discovery flung us into a state of alarm that made us forget all our past and present sufferings. We now knew all that the monster meant to convey when he said to Christine Daae, Yes or no? If your answer is no, everybody will be dead and buried. <laughs> yes, buried under the ruins of the Paris Grand Opera. The monster had given her until eleven o'clock in the evening. He had chosen his time well. There would be many people, many members of the human race, up there, in the resplendent theatre. What finer retinue could be expected for his funeral? He would go down to the tomb escorted by the whitest shoulders in the world, decked with the richest jewels. Eleven o'clock tomorrow evening. We were all to be blown up in the middle of the performance. If Christine Daae said no, eleven o'clock tomorrow evening. And what else could Christine say but no? Would she not prefer to espouse death itself rather than that living corpse? She did not know that on her acceptance or refusal depended the awful fate of many members of the human race. Eleven o'clock tomorrow evening and we dragged ourselves through the darkness feeling our way to the stone steps for the light in the trap-door overhead that led to the room of mirrors was now extinguished and we repeated to ourselves eleven o'clock tomorrow, tomorrow evening. evening at last i found the staircase but suddenly i drew myself up on the first step for a terrible thought had come to my mind what is the time ah what was the time for after all eleven o'clock tomorrow evening might be now might be this very moment who could tell us the time we seemed to have been imprisoned in that hell for days and days for years since the beginning of the world perhaps we should be blown up then and there ah a sound a crack did you hear that there in the corner good heavens like a sound of machinery again oh for a light perhaps it's the machinery that is to blow everything up i tell you a cracking sound are you deaf monsieur de chagny and i began to yell like madmen fear spurred us on we rushed up the treads of the staircase stumbling as we went anything to escape the dark to return to the mortal light of the room of mirrors we found the trap-door still open but it was now as dark in the room of mirrors as in the cellar which we had left we dragged ourselves along the floor of the torture chamber the floor that separated us from the powder magazine what was the time we shouted we called monsieur de chagny to christine i to eric i reminded him that i had saved his life but no answer save that of our despair of our madness what was the time we argued 
we tried to calculate the time which we had spent there but we were incapable of reasoning if only we could see the face of a watch mine had stopped but monsieur de chongy's was still going he told me that he had wound it up before dressing for the opera we had not a match upon us and yet we must know monsieur de chongy broke the glass of his watch and felt the two hands he questioned the hands of the watch with his fingertips going by the position of the ring of the watch judging by the space between the two hands he thought it might be just eleven o'clock but perhaps it was not the eleven o'clock of which we stood in dread perhaps we had still twelve hours before us suddenly i exclaimed hush i seemed to hear footsteps in the next room someone tapped against the wall christine daae's voice said raoul raoul we were now all talking at once on either side of the wall christine sobbed she was not sure that she would find monsieur de chongy alive the monster had been terrible it seemed had done nothing but rave waiting for her to give him the yes which she refused and yet she had promised him that yes if he would take her to the torture chamber but he had obstinately declined and had uttered hideous threats against all the members of the human race at last after hours and hours of that hell he had that moment gone out leaving her alone to reflect for the last time it is eleven o'clock eleven o'clock all but five minutes the eleven o'clock that is to decide life or death he told me so just before he went he is terrible he is quite mad he tore off his mask and his yellow eyes shot flames he did nothing but laugh he said i give you five minutes to spare your blushes here he said taking a key from his little bag of life and death here is the little bronze key that opens the two ebony caskets on the mantelpiece in the louis philippe room in one of the caskets you will find a scorpion in the other a grasshopper both very cleverly imitated in japanese bronze they will say yes or no for you if you turn the scorpion round that will mean to me when i return that you have said yes the grasshopper will mean no <laughs> and he laughed like a drunken demon i did nothing but beg and entreat him to give me the key of the torture chamber promised to be his wife if he granted me that request but he told me there was no future need for that key and that he was going to throw it into the lake and he again laughed like a drunken demon and left me oh his last words were the grasshopper be careful of the grasshopper the grasshopper does not only turn it hops it hops and it hops jolly high the five minutes had nearly elapsed and the scorpion and the grasshopper were scratching at my brain nevertheless i had sufficient lucidity left to understand that if the grasshopper were turned it would hop and with it many members of the human race there was no doubt but that the grasshopper controlled an electric current intended to blow up the powder magazine monsieur de chongy who seemed to have recovered all his moral force from hearing christine's voice explained to her in a few hurried words the situation in which we and all the opera were he told her to turn the scorpion at once there was a pause christine i cried where are you by the scorpion don't touch it 
the idea had come to me for i knew my eric that the monster had perhaps deceived the girl once more perhaps it was the scorpion that would blow everything up after all why wasn't he there the five minutes were long past and he was not back perhaps he had taken shelter and was waiting for the explosion why had he not returned he could not really expect christine ever to consent to become his voluntary prey why had he not returned don't touch the scorpion i said here he comes cried christine i hear him here he is we heard his steps approaching the louis philippe room he came up to christine but did not speak then i raised my voice eric it is i do you know me with extraordinary calmness he at once replied so you are not dead in there well then see that you keep quiet i tried to speak but he said coldly not a word daroga or i shall blow everything up and he added the honour rests with mademoiselle mademoiselle has not touched the scorpion how deliberately he spoke mademoiselle has not touched the grasshopper with that composure but it is not too late to do the right thing there i open the caskets without a key for i am a trapdoor lover and i open and shut what i please and as i please i open the little ebony caskets mademoiselle look at the little dears inside aren't they pretty if you turn the grasshopper mademoiselle we shall all be blown up there is enough gunpowder under our feet to blow up a whole quarter of paris if you turn the scorpion mademoiselle all that powder will be soaked and around mademoiselle to celebrate our wedding you shall make a very handsome present to a few hundred parisians who are at this moment applauding a poor masterpiece of Meyerbeer's. you shall make them a present of their lives for with your own fair hands you shall turn the scorpion and merrily merrily we shall be married a pause and then if in two minutes mademoiselle you have not turned the scorpion i shall turn the grasshopper and the grasshopper i tell you hops jolly high the terrible silence began anew the vicomte de chagny realizing that there was nothing left to do but pray went down on his knees and prayed as for me my blood beat so fiercely that i had to take my heart in both hands lest it should burst at last we heard eric's voice the two minutes are past good-bye mademoiselle hop grasshopper eric cried christine do you swear to me monster do you swear to me that the scorpion is the one to turn yes to hop at our wedding ah you see you said to hop at our wedding ingenuous child the scorpion opens the ball but that will do you don't have the scorpion then i turn the grasshopper eric enough i was crying out in concert with christine monsieur de chagny was still on his knees praying eric i have turned the scorpion oh the second through which we passed waiting waiting to find ourselves in fragments amid the roar and the ruins feeling something crack 
beneath our feet, hearing an appalling hiss through the open trap-door, a hiss like the first sound of a rocket. It came softly, at first, then louder, then very loud, but it was not the hiss of fire, it was more like the hiss of water, and now it became a gurgling sound. Gurgle, gurgle. We rushed to the trap-door. All our thirst, which vanished when the terror came, now returned with the lapping of the water. The water rose in the cellar, above the barrels, the powder barrels. Barrels, barrels, any barrels to sell. We went down to it with parched throats. It rose to our chins, to our mouths, and we drank. We stood on the floor of the cellar and drank. We went up the stairs in the dark, step by step, went up with the water. The water came out of the cellar with us and spread over the floor of the room. If this went on, the whole house on the lake would be swamped. The floor of the torture chamber had itself become a regular little lake in which our feet splashed. Surely there was water enough now. Eric must turn off the tap. Eric, Eric, that is enough water for the gunpowder. Turn off the tap, turn off the scorpion. But Eric did not reply. We heard nothing but the water rising. It was halfway to our waists. Christine! cried Monsieur de Chagny. Christine, the water is up to our knees. But Christine did not reply. We heard nothing but the water rising. No one, no one in the next room, no one to turn the tap. No one to turn the scorpion. We were all alone in the dark, with the dark water that seized us and clasped us and froze us. Eric! Eric! Christine! Christine! By this time we had lost our foothold and were spinning round in the water, carried away by an irresistible whirl, for the water turned with us and dashed us against the dark mirror, which thrust us back again and our throats, raised above the whirlpool, roared aloud. Were we to die here, drowned in the torture-chamber? I had never seen that. Eric, at the time of the rosy hours of Mazenderan, had never shown me that through the little invisible window. Eric! Eric! I cried. I saved your life. Remember, you were sentenced to death. But for me, you would be dead now. Eric! We whirled around in the water like so much wreckage, but suddenly my straying hand seized the trunk of the iron tree. I called Monsieur de Chagny, and we both clung to the branch of the iron tree. And the water rose still higher. Oh, oh, can you remember? How much space is there between the branch of the tree and the dome-shaped ceiling? Do try to remember. After all, the water may stop. He must find his level. There, I think it is stopping. No, no, oh, horrible. Swim, swim for your life. Our arms became entangled with the effort of swimming. We choked. We fought in the dark water. Already we could hardly breathe the dark air above the dark water, the air which escaped, which we could hear escaping through some vent hole or other. Oh, let us turn and turn and turn until we find the air-hole, and then glue our mouths to it. But I lost my strength. I tried to lay hold of the walls. Oh, how those glass walls slipped from under my groping fingers! We whirled round again. 
We began to sink. One last effort. A last cry. Eric. Christine. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle in our ears. Gurgle, gurgle. At the bottom of the dark water, our ears went gurgle, gurgle. And before losing consciousness entirely, I seemed to hear between two giggles. Barrels, barrels, any barrels to sell. End of chapter 25